1: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by
0: insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two
1: months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
0: Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check.
2: Hey, it's Monique, welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 151. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is truly a lifestyle. It's so much more than food. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and YouTube. I'm brown vegan on both of those platforms. And yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. Thank you so much as always for tuning in, hanging out with me, all of that good stuff. So this week's listener review is from Miracle Three, and the title is Amazing Podcast. She rated us five stars, and she said, "I love, love, love this show. It's so good to hear other Black women out here succeeding. I really appreciate your podcast. Keep going, Monique, and thank you. Thank you so much, girl, for reviewing. You can also review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go over to there, subscribe to the show, rate it five stars, and you can also write a review too so that I can read it on a future episode. This really does help our show grow. So I appreciate everybody who does it. Thank you so much. So today on the show, I have Jen Douglas Craig on here. Jen and I met, I want to say on Instagram, because that's where I meet a lot of people. (laughs) It might have been YouTube a few years ago, and we just really connected over us being vegan moms and just life, you know? So she's on the show to talk about her vegan journey and also chat about raising vegan kids, compassionate parenting, which I think is so important. We talk about climate change. And then we also spend the last half of the conversation talking about podcasting because Jen recently started her own podcast, which is amazing. I always think it's important to have more vegan podcasts out there. And she's talking about how to be vegan with a family. And her son, Anderson, is her co-host, so They just literally just launched the podcast yesterday. So I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes for you guys to check out. Definitely go support her. Really excited for that because I always tell y'all that we need more vegan podcasts. And I know that it's going to be just amazing having her put that content out there because she's just so good. I just love her personality. She's just always so fun. So of course go and follow Jen on Instagram. Her page is Jen underscore Douglas Craig. Go hang out with her over there. And yes, of course, all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com. And yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into this good conversation. Well, I decided
0: to become vegan because I think the answer most people give is like the peop- the planet, our health the environment, the animals, and that's all very true for me too. But I think what brought me to veganism was for sure this nagging question I had when I was nursing Tessa, who's my youngest daughter. She, she, I was nursing her and I kept thinking to myself, wait a second, if, if she's drinking my milk and I'm producing milk, then if we're drinking cow's milk, then where are the babies? And that was kind of the question that springboarded me into veganism, which was a question I immediately knew I didn't want to go Google. I I didn't want to look it up and see, you know, why. It was so disturbing to me even before I knew the information. I just already knew, like, do not Google this. Do not Google this. And really from then on, I just kind of tumbled into a slew of information that de- totally took me down this rabbit hole. I think what made me, I think, so doggedly curious about veganism and searching through all that information and reading these books and all of these films and documentaries was the climate information that I did end up finding. Because as a new mom, I started to feel panicky like, what can I do? personally me at home with these two tiny kids, like what on earth am I going to be able to do to help them? Because I started to feel like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I just had kids on a planet that is like in terrible danger. So that's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a hodgepodge because I think, you know, I, I want to say that I think the road to veganism is often paved by so many breadcrumbs that. We may not necessarily notice until later. Like when I look back, uh, you know, I can say that story of like n- nursing Tessa and then asking that question was kind of the catalyst that maybe then do the research. But I think if I look before that, there were so many little moments. People I had met who were vegan who made me think twice. Just kind of curious, like, oh, why are you vegan? And, you know, being interested in recipes when I was younger or Jane Goodall when I was a kid and I would read those books, you know, there were tiny
2: little breadcrumbs the whole way up, I think. I agree. You know what? That is. I was going to ask you because when you said you were breastfeeding, Tessa, I was like, OK, but that something else has to be there because a lot of women breastfeed their babies and never think about veganism. So I knew that there had to be something else in your life that led you here. Like you said, the breadcrumbs. I love that analogy because that's exactly what it is. It's just like these little little whispers, little seeds that come into your life. And then you're like, okay, maybe this will be something for me for me. So I know that you had Anderson at that point because Tessa's your your baby. And when you had Tessa, did you decide to become vegan right away after you breastfed her? Or was it like a, a transition, like a slow transition as you started to research and watch some of those documentaries?
0: It was very slow. It was super slow the transition. And I always tell people when they kind of ask me like how did you come vegan or I always tell them, "Oh my gosh, it took so long." I think it would take it took about 2 years, honestly. And I think a lot of that was just research gathering. For me, it felt like there were several different components that had to come together for me to become vegan. Like the first component was the research itself, like why? Why would I become vegan? So there's that, and then just the logistics like how do I do the whole nutrition thing Mm -hmm. and what do I cook and then how do we go to restaurants like the logistical stuff and then there's like the social stuff you know how do I right (laughs) right (laughs) how do I go home for the holidays what does it look like when I go to my friend's house now I don't want to be that guest that's you know, kind of a pain in the butt. I want to be the easy guest. I pride myself in being the person who eats anything and is very easily accommodated. So I felt like those two years that it took me to transition, I think the research part was the most important because that's where I kind of gathered all sorts of information that really helped me go forward. And it's actually where I met you. Not I didn't meet you, but that's where I found you. I found your YouTube channel during that first year of the transition, because I was Googling or searching on YouTube vegan kids. And so your channel popped Mm, up and you had so much content with your kids at that time who were much younger Mm -hmm. and it gave me a visual and it gave me an idea that I could actually do this. I'm seeing someone else do this. I remember one video you talking, talking about your son who was very picky about vegetables but you were still putting it on his plate and you would talk about that and uh, and all of your kids and how each one of them you know had a different relationship with vegan food and it just gave me this encouragement to be able to try Yes, that was super helpful.
2: Yes, because that was the goal. Thank you so much for that, because, you know, sometimes when you do something, you're not really sure if it's impactful, like if it makes a difference. I just know when I first decided to become vegan, I knew I wasn't going to make two separate meals. I had to figure out a way to make this work. (laughs) I was like, it's not going to be. Something that I, I'm not going to be a short order, you know, like a short order cook every night. So, as I was finding things that work for my family, I was like, I have to share this. You know, I would blog and do YouTube, and I really, I really appreciate that feedback because, like I said, sometimes you feel like you're doing something, but you're not really sure if it's really helping people. And we've been able to connect over the years because of that. So I really, I'm glad to hear this. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it.
0: It's made such a big deal because I think also one thing that your channel did that. A lot of other channels weren't doing when I was looking through was that you gave information that was you you gave grocery hauls, which was really, really helpful. You gave recipes, but then you also did this other thing where you talked about your family dynamic. And the, that third component was the one that I had a hard time finding, and it mm. was the one that was the most helpful to me. So, yes, it did make a difference in people. So, lives.
2: talking about as far as, like you said, the different personalities, the different eating styles, is mm-hmm. that what you mean when you say that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: the different eating and your, and your approach. You, you would talk about the way that you would approach your kids and your husband, and that was really helpful because that was the component that I wasn't really sure about. Like, how do I approach my family members, how do I have this conversation? Because, you know, I think it would have been so different if I was somebody who was on my own mm-hmm. as an adult, deciding to become vegan, the research would have been much, maybe, maybe it would have been smaller, <laughs> right? And more simple, you know, I'm only thinking about myself, but that's not the case. And that's what I think really drew me to your content was that you would talk about it in a really... how do I I want a realistic way I think sometimes people online we we can kind of we want to kind of it maybe to make it look good I don't know Uh, make it look perfect or there's this trap people fall into which is like I have to make it look so easy look how easy this is but that's not very approachable and that's not very realistic so it's therefore not very helpful
2: you know what I mean Absolutely. Yeah. I used to feel the same way, you know, and you know what my struggle, did you have the struggle to like figuring out how to put a meal together? Because I would come across so many different blog posts because this is like pre-social media. Instagram wasn't like big at the time. I think we had right. Twitter and probably MySpace. I don't know and maybe Facebook, but it wasn't Facebook like it is now where people were really sharing content the same way. And so I just remember struggling so much with putting a meal together. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, like how I need to go back on YouTube and put full meals together to really show people how to do this because I would come across a lot of recipes from single people and they did a lot of bowls. And that was not realistic for me when (laughs) my kids were younger. They don't want no damn bowls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I really want to get to back to the basics. So was that a struggle for you as well when you were starting your journey, figuring out how to put a meal together? Oh, for sure, because everything
0: was bowls back then,
2: for sure. <laughs> I <laughs> forgot about
0: that. Actually, <laughs> I feel like everything still is a bowl. Yeah, and my kids, like my kids, they don't want a bowl. I mean, maybe once in a blue moon, they might eat a bowl, but who knows? That can't be their daily meal. Right. But, uh, and I thought that you brought that up a lot in your YouTube channel that you would make these meals that looked like meals that my kids were already eating, exactly. like the non vegan version, right? You would buy like the chicken nuggets and things like that. So you taught me to kind of replace the meals that they already liked with vegan versions of the same thing, which was super mm. helpful. My kids yeah. were happily, happily eating a vegan version of what they already liked.
2: Yeah. So I know Anderson is 10 now. So how old was he when you decided to become a vegan? So Tessa was a baby when you were thinking about it. Yes. But when you made the full transition after that two years, how old was Anderson? He was four and Tessa was two. See, that's what I'm saying, Jen. You had the advantage. I love that. Because when they're that young, and this is what I always tell people, I'm like, if you don't have kids now, get yourself on track with it so that it'll be easy for you to make the transition once you're pregnant and have your own, you know, have more, have children, you'll be able to like already, they'll be born into it. So it's just... A lot more, a lot less pushback when they're born into it. So I love that. So <laughs> was there any shifts with Anderson? Cause even at four years old, he knows about McDonald's and stuff like that. Would he will he give you a hard time? There were definitely foods that he really liked that we did not
0: have vegan versions of. So like salami. For example, which is like
1: allow
2: me at a four.
0: Oh yeah. This kid, <laughs> this kid has a very expensive palate. <laughs> I see, right? <laughs> He's like, where's the gouda? Where's the plum? <laughs> <Wow. laughs> so he there were things that he, it's so funny because even just six years ago, I feel like we did not have what we have now, as far mm-hmm. as like the meats the vegan versions of meats or cheeses, even. Oh my gosh, the cheeses have come so far in six years. Right. So he definitely, there were things that he really liked or even simple things. Can I say like those little goldfish crackers? Like when kids are two and four, there is this genre of food that nobody else eats that they eat, which is like (laughs) those goldfish crackers. And they would, every time they would have like a play date or they go to a birthday party or like a park date. With their friends, like everybody has the goldfish crackers, and so they would always be eating it off of other kids or, you know, birthday cupcakes at parties. I mean, those were the kind of the challenges. Aside from yes, like the salami. I'm trying to think what else that, oh, he liked like steak. So those were kind really of, Anderson. <laughs> I know Anderson's breaking the bank. Oh, he's so funny (laughs) because the other day he was eating kimchi and he's like, "I think I really like kimchi." I was like, "It's delicious, yes." I'm like, "Honey, you just keep eating your really nice foods." (laughs) (laughs) So yes, there it was kind of it was oh, and you know what else I forgot because I know you're a lover of this too, as am I, seafood.
2: Mm, Girl,
0: (laughs) he was like, "Where is the crab?" I thought, "Right." This poor child. So for him, there were definitely foods that I was like, we are not, you know, those food we have, okay. Let me just phrase how I phrased it to him. For anybody who's listening and they're really curious about the actual approach that I took. So what I said to him was, okay, this is what mom and dad have learned from doing our research. We realized that whenever we eat seafood, we're actually taking from the ocean and that it disrupts marine wildlife and it kills dolphins and whales and turtles and animals that you love but it also kills fish who we didn't even realize have feelings but it's actually wreaking havoc on the oceans and I don't really want to be a part of something like that do you and he thought about it and he was like no I don't want to be a part of something like that and I was like I know and he's like he would say something like well but you know crab cakes taste so good or you know salmon tastes so good and i would say i know i know but what do you think is more important do you think it's more important to save dolphins and the ocean or do you think it's more important to eat salmon and then you know he kind of thought about it you know i can't remember if he was 100% on board yet but he was thinking that you know his brain is starting to think and then you know this was not a one time conversation this would be a conversation we'd have many 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 times and then i'd say you know what I'll bet there are vegan versions of things that we really enjoy. Should we, should we check and see? Maybe Mm. we can look up recipes. Maybe we can check at the grocery store. What do you say? Like we kind of go on a bit of a food adventure and try to figure out if any of this stuff is interesting to us because I know you love animals and I love animals. and I know you love our planet. And I used to tell Anderson and Tessa at four and two years old that they were earth savers. You guys want to be earth savers? You want to save the animals and the planet? And they'd be like, yeah. And we would have this conversation, like I said, many, many times. And I would simplify it. And I would always put the ball in their court. You know, is this something you want to do? This is something I want to do and dad wants to do. But do you want to do that? And I kind of let them come to that conclusion themselves, but with a lot of conversation and with a lot of influence, to be mm-hmm. honest. And I bought books about it. And we would watch you know, videos with these animals that they love, just so that they're reacquainted with these animals. And just trying to continue to push that perspective towards something that they really value. And to say like, this is it's sometimes it's okay to make sacrifices for things that are really important to us that can make us feel better actually inside that we're doing something really good. So that's my approach.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And I feel like your approach is better than my approach was because I did some of that, you know, where I would have the books and we would have the conversations and then we would try different foods and things like that. But it was kind of like, this is the only thing I'm making. So if they don't eat it, they don't, well, they'll catch up at the next meal kind Mm -hmm. of attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if I made them feel like, like you did, that it was their decision even though technically it wasn't, but if I made them feel like <laughs> it like, was, yeah, it's kind of like how you do to husbands, you know, make them that's feel like, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> if I let them know that it was their decision, then they would be on board with that. So I love that approach. And I think that that's, and I love the fact that you said that it was multiple conversations. It wasn't just like this one time. And then I said, you like really was, you were consistent with it.
0: Yeah, and we still are like six years later. We still have this conversation all the time, a variation of it. And also, there were just to tell you, there were plenty of meals that I plopped down and they didn't really want it. And I was like, sorry, because mm-hmm. that's what I made. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that in and of itself is something that happens in everyone's home, regardless yeah. of whether you're vegan or, or omni. Okay, you
2: know. that's a fact. That is a fact. Picky eaters are everywhere. Oh my okay. goodness, they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me talk to you about this because this is something that I've been thinking about recently. At my desk, I have pictures of my kids when they were really young. And one of the pictures, I didn't even realize this until recently. This is weird because these pictures have been up here for a few years. On one of the pictures is my two older kids at the zoo and then right a but below it is at is a picture of us at the Atlantis in Bahamas in mm-hmm. 2013 and we're swimming with like doing the swimming with the dolphins kind of thing mm-hmm. and at that time in 2013 I was actually a vegan at that time and I allowed I, I put that in quotes allowed my kids to swim with the dolphins because it was a gift that my parents gave to them on this trip and I felt conflicted and I was just kind of like why, why did I do that at two, you know, at that point, I had been vegan for about three years. And I, I was like, why did I do that? And so I guess the question I have for you is, do you have moments in your journey because you have such young, young children that they, that you do things that maybe aren't completely aligned with the lifestyle? Like you can kind of look back on it and be like, mm, maybe that wasn't super vegan, but I did the best I can. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: First off, I just have to say That Colleen Patrick Goudreau posted this thing the other day on Instagram talking about how there is no such thing as a perfect vegan. It doesn't exist. It It doesn't. No. It doesn't. And I think this is something that people get really twisted online. And it's partly due to vegan pressure Mm -hmm. online that we all feel like we have to be perfect. But I, I don't think that's quite the question you're asking me. But I just wanted to put that out there. Oh yeah. Okay. First. F-
2: no, 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 no. I'm glad you said that. Cause that is a great way to start that. <laughs> There's no such thing because I know a lot of my listeners are vegan curious or vegetarians are not even vegan yet. So oh, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said that that's important.
0: Yeah. And I think that the most important thing is, is just to try without fear of, of being perfect. I think it's much better to try being vegan and do it imperfectly than to just not try because you think you can't hit tick all the boxes. So let me tell you all the ways that we're not vegan. <laughs> I'm kind of perfectly vegan because we're not. Because first off, it's impossible. And second off, sometimes circumstances, I don't know, just exist where it, it, it can't be done. Not so much for us, the food thing. It's never, we've never had a situation where we've eaten non-vegan because we couldn't. We've eaten non-vegan accidentally. But for example, the zoo picture that you said, we went to the zoo several times this past year because it's COVID and things are closed. And we live in Washington, D.C. now. We used to live in L.A., but now we live in Washington, D.C. I grew up just outside of D.C. and nothing was open. Like the, the museums were closed. My kids are homeschooled. So the only thing that was open was the National Zoo because it's outdoors and... I guess it was the only thing available. And people felt like they could do that safely with masks on at the time mm-hmm. was the requirement. And we felt comfortable with that. And I thought, should we just keep staying in the house or should we actually leave the house and do something? Yeah. And we went to the zoo many times. And, you know, my daughter kept asking me like, is this vegan? Should we be here? And I'm like, you know, honey, honey, I don't know. Let's go. Let's just, let's look and check on the animals. Let's see how they're doing. Let's go and educate ourselves and learn something new. And I've actually had a lot of questions about the zoos with people. I work with a climate change platform, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit, but I work with people who are like conservationists and I've asked them, they work all over the world in different places, different countries. And one of my good friends who's a conservationist, she said, that she believes that some zoos are okay and some zoos are very, very much not. And that there were levels of zoos. Now, some vegans who are listening might disagree. And I'm not saying that I take a stand either way. I really don't know. The way that she put it was that that the zoo animals are kind of like ancestors of these wild animals because they've been in captivity for so long. And so I think... That kind of felt like a gray area, but we did it anyways, even though normally we hadn't been going to the zoos since we had started becoming vegan. We've not been going to any zoos, but we kind of just gave ourselves that grace. Another thing is that my mom is an avid knitter. That is her passion. That is her hobby. I don't like the idea of wool. I don't buy wool. I don't use wool except for when she knits me something. And do you know what? I'm going to take my mama's
2: gift. That's what you're about to say. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Yeah, I'm she, she spent like, know
0: how, how much, how many months making me this sweater? Yes. I, if this is her one thing that she does. You know, I'm going to accept it. Would I ask her like, you know, you know, I, you know what you was know crazy. Can I just say real quick? You know what's crazy, crazy is when I first started becoming vegan, you know, Hey, I don't know if this happened to you, but I kind of got on a high horse a little bit. Like everybody needs to be vegan now, which if I could snap my fingers and everybody be vegan, I would totally do it just for the sake of our planet. But, you know, I remember thinking my mom should stop knitting because this is, you know, this is hurting the animals. And I, sometimes I look at that and I think like the audacity, the audacity of me being yeah. like this woman should change her complete lifestyle because I don't think it's okay. Okay. Instead, I try to like stay in my own lane and, you know, attract people with my lifestyle. If they're interested in it because they think it looks good, then great. I'll share what I know. But I'm kind of, I try, I try really hard not to tell other people what to do. Like you have to do this, even though I've been through many phases where I've done that.
2: Oh yeah, this is relatable. All of it. All of it is so relatable, especially the part about getting on that high horse and wanting everyone to be vegan. But as the years go on, I just I just truly believe in just doing the best I can every day and hoping that, like you said, my life inspires other people to to not only like question how they do things and in a better way, not question like making them feel bad, but how can I help other people in the most compassionate way because i noticed that a lot of vegans have compassion for animals and don't have any compassion for humans and this shit is is weird to me but
0: oh <laughs> I just make sure to that.
2: yeah <laughs> that's like the
0: understatement of the year <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about climate change because I know you're passionate about that and that research is what led you to deciding to become a vegan. And it's crazy because my parents are not vegan, but I've been talking about climate change on and off for the you know the last what 11 years that I've been vegan and why that's one of the reasons why we should consider this lifestyle. And my dad said to me this last snowstorm that we had Jen, because you live up here, you know, the last, we literally went from like 65 degree weather to 14 inches of snow in 24 hours. And so my dad was like, okay, (laughs) this climate change thing is real. So (laughs) I mean, I think he thought that anyway, but when he, like seeing it like that, he was like, oh yeah, something's not right. Mm -hmm. So for you, what part of the climate change conversation led you to decide to become a vegan? I felt so helpless to protect my kids.
0: And it was that helplessness that made me really feel like I need to do something. What can I actually do that will have an impact that I can feasibly do? Things come to mind we think like, oh, the systems need to change and it's big governments that need to change and it's corporations that need to change, but really those things change because people change and we put the pressure on. So, you know, it's weird because sometimes you think, I'm only one person, like, do I even make a difference? But it really does make a difference because I can see now after six years, I have had a ripple effect of the people I know in my life who have either gone vegan over many years of seeing me be vegan, or they are eating more vegan meals and taking it seriously and buying more vegan products. And every time somebody buys a vegan product, that really does, you know, we vote with our dollars. But that really it came down to what can I actually do? And all the research that I did, my favorite book was Eating Animals. Did you read that one? No, I don't think I ever read that
2: one. That I know was- it's been out about 10 years, right? Is that yeah, the same it has yeah. been
0: out 10 years. And he wrote another book recently. Jonathan Saffer foyer is his name. And he wrote another one called We Are the Weather. And that one came out recently. And I haven't finished reading it because... Between COVID and climate change, I'm like, oh, I cannot take any more bad news. but the book is really good so far. But that book, Eating Animals, convinced me this is absolutely not okay for me to do. I can't be a hypocrite. If I really care about my kids and I care about the planet mo- coming you know in the future, then I need to make a change. And eating animals, especially after I'd read the book, I was like, oh, I can't like bury my head in the sand and pretend like I don't know this information. I know it now. I know that the resources that we use to produce agriculture is immense and catastrophic. Mm. And I always preface this with not everyone can be vegan. And I think for all of your listeners who feel like, you know, vegan curious, interested, not everyone can be vegan. That is a reality. And when I say that I'm doing this for climate and that all of us who can should, I mean, all of us who have the choice, who have the means, who have the ability, who are standing in a grocery store and can choose financially choose between, you know, beans and meat or Mm -hmm. beyond meat and meat. Like I'm talking about those of us that have that choice for other people who don't have those means or who live in countries where they need to fish themselves, or they need to hunt and gather, like, we're not talking about them. I'm literally just talking about people who have the means. And even people in this country may not have the means. And, And so I'm not expecting everyone to become vegan for sure. But I felt like I'm somebody personally me who goes to a grocery store and can decide between like chicken or, you know, Trader Joe's tofu or yeah.
2: Beans. Yeah, exactly. Tofu. I love tofu.
0: Yeah, exactly. I can, I can make the choice. Like I don't need to worry about anybody else. When I go to the grocery store, am I helping the planet or am I causing damage? That's literally my only question.
2: Mm, I love that. I love that. And I, I love the fact that it come. you come from like a place of compassion, like you said, for people, because people, a lot of people don't live in situations, unfortunately, where they can, be vegan and like consistently like that be a part of their lifestyle. But I also think that a lot of us in our position, no matter how much we make to make some shifts though, you know, I feel, I do feel like some of us can, a lot of us can make shifts and it doesn't have to be perfect or anything, but even just eating better for our health, even if we're not concerned about climate change or concerned about the animals, I feel like we're all to a certain extent have, at least in America, to a certain extent can make some shifts to eat just better overall. You that know. is so true and such a
0: good point because it's those tiny changes that really do make a difference and they add up.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this part has been so good. Is Monique hopping in to thank Raw Sugar for sponsoring this episode of the show. So we all know that it's important what we put inside of our bodies. But what about our skin? It's just as important. That's why I have to tell you about Raw Sugar's new line of deodorant made from plant-derived ingredients. Not only does their deodorant smell amazing, but you don't have to worry about aluminum, baking soda, parabens, and other yucky ingredients that you find in so many other brands. Raw Sugar's deodorant is also allergy-tested and glides on clean and smooth. So I trust Raw Sugar as a brand overall because it's the only body wash that I use. So, you know, I had to try their new line of deodorant for another layer of freshness. Raw Coconut and Lime is my favorite scent right now, but they have several other options for you to choose from, including their Lavender and Lemon Sugar and their Fragrance Free Stick. Not only does raw sugar deodorant work well on my armpits, but it's also vegan and cruelty-free and their packaging is simple and 100% biodegradable. Be sure to go to rawsugarliving.com to find a retailer near you. I like to get my raw sugar products from Target and Wegmans, but if you don't live near those stores, check out rawsugarliving.com to find a retailer near you. Vegan life is a good life, so you never have to worry about denying your sweet tooth. That's why I have to shout out Maxine's Heavenly for sponsoring this episode of the show. They make super soft style cookies sweetened with natural unrefined sugar and their soft line of cookies are actually gluten free. So I know sometimes when we hear natural ingredients for cookies, we automatically think it's not good. But I promise that's not the case here. Not only are their cookies delicious, but they have so many amazing ingredients that I don't feel guilty about eating a cookie or two a day. My favorites right now from the super soft line are the peanut butter chocolate chunk and snickerdoodle, but I have to tell y'all that I really didn't even get a lot of the peanut butter chocolate chunk because my son Elijah ate most of the box and y'all know he's my picky eater, so I figure he approves. Maxine's Heavenly launches their crispy cookie line in February and I can't wait to tell you more about them once I try them. But for now, I need you to go over to maxinesheavenly.com and use the discount code brownvegan to save 25%. And that's brownvegan is one word. Once again, the website is maxinesheavenly.com, discount code brownvegan. I'll also be sure to include it in the show notes and the blog post for this episode so that you can click right through. want to talk about podcasting now though, because I know that you and Anderson, your 10 year old son will be starting one. Did you, you didn't put out the first episode yet as we're recording this, did you? No, but by the time that you put this out, it's probably going to be out. Okay. So what I'll do is when I do my intro, I'll make sure that I tell people to go listen (laughs) when I record it later, but you and Anderson decided to do it I know that you, we talked about podcasting, I would say like two years ago, Jen, just casually. Remember, it was about two yeah. years, right? We t- casually talked about you starting a podcast and now you and Anderson, he's going to be your co-host and you're going to do one. I wanted to know, like, first of all, what made you decide that podcasting is the, going to be the platform for you as far as getting your message out there because a lot of people it's easier to just say something on Instagram or maybe say something on a blog post or say something on YouTube. So why did you decide why did you do why did you decide to go with podcasting? Well, I I
0: love podcasts, so it's the media that I consume daily. So for me it's it's like a format that I'm familiar with that I really enjoy, that's a format that I learn from. So, it seemed like a natural choice because I also wanted to just be able to have a conversation, a long form conversation. And it just seemed like podcasts was kind of the perfect media to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? I know so, what you- are you guys planning to talk about?
0: Well, okay. So, my big idea is that going back to when I was doing research, when I was becoming vegan, is that I would go from like your YouTube channel to say someone else's YouTube channel, to someone else's YouTube channel, to someone else's podcast, to someone else's Instagram, looking for how did you approach transitioning with your family? That was the question. And then all the nuances that go with that, like, how did you have these conversations? What about if your kid says like, no, I don't want to eat that. Or what if your kid says, you know, actually, I don't like this idea or you know, what if you go to your family's house and, you know, all of these kind of nuanced questions that I was looking for answers to. And I found that only some people were talking about that, for example, like you and, and a handful of others, but it was really hard to find. And I realized that everybody kind of approached it differently. And I was really curious as to how I would approach it. I wasn't sure. I kind of just kept looking around. And this podcast Answers that basically. I'm gonna be doing a lot of solo episodes, some with Anderson, most with Anderson. And then- <laughs> you don't have a choice because Anderson
2: wants to be there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My 10-year-old son wants to be in this podcast so bad. And I am cool with that because I think the young people, like you know, the kids of the people listening will want to hear. will want to hear from someone their age, is what I mean to say. I I will be doing solo episodes talking about this is how I approached our transition this is what I wish I had done differently this is how I handled the nutrition this is how I handled the family which was disastrous initially but it's fine now and you know all these nitty-gritty topics and then I'm going to interview many different parents families different kinds of families like I'll interview my brother and his boyfriend who transitioned together and how that became one of them didn't even want to consider it. So like, that's a whole story, right? So I just want to ask people, like, how did you create this lifestyle for yourself? And I want it to be diverse in all the ways that it's diverse. So diverse in nationalities, race, religions, all of that, but also people's levels of veganism. I know that there's a vegan cringing out there when I say that, because some people are like there are no levels, you're either vegan or you're not vegan. But what I mean to say is like, Some families were all in and some families did a compromise version. So what does that look like? If you do a compromise, what does that look like? And by the way, you know, when I was transitioning, I didn't even really think about the fact that there was compromise until I found I ran into your channel and I was like, oh my gosh, like we don't have to be perfect. We can just try our best. Oh my gosh. What a revelation, Monique. We can just try our best. Yeah. Basically, I just want to pick everyone's brains and give people out there lots of ideas for ways that they can approach it because they might hear one interview and think that's great. And then hear another one and think, well, that's not how I would do it. But eventually they'll probably find a little hidden gem in each episode to give them an idea or at least kind of be able to picture how it might look for them.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember when we did our consultation last year, you were saying that you wanted to do this on a limited basis. Mm-hmm. Are you still considering that? Or do you want to just continue to get, keep going? Because it sounds like you have a whole format plan now. <laughs> you know,
0: I don't know. It depends on the day, to be honest.
2: <laughs>
0: Sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? This feels so hard. Okay, what's
2: hard? Jen, okay, so listen to the (laughs) listeners. I told Jen that because I know that she's just starting this up and her Anderson are planning and recording. And I said, because I get so many podcast questions to come on and just any questions she has about podcasting now that she's actually started the process herself to ask, have those questions for me because we did a consultation last year where I kind of helped her like go through some of the things that she was having like hangups about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we kind of like processed all of that. And now that you're doing the show, I'm sure that you have a lot of other questions now. So go ahead, start where you yeah. want. <laughs> and first off, can I just say, the consultation
0: was amazing. And for anybody who's listening who has an idea for a podcast, but you think like it's going to be too hard and you're like me, then, you know, I would definitely suggest a consultation because it was a game changer, I literally would not have done like Monique said. I I asked her about podcasting two years ago, just kind of casually. Was I? I even did a, recorded a couple of things, but it just felt too hard, and I dropped the ball. But then when I hired Monique to do this consultation, it shifted everything. Suddenly, I, everything was kind of answered. All of my tech questions were answered. And for anybody listening who's like, yeah, but there's tech questions online, like you can, you can, cause I went down that road where I looked up like, you know, YouTube videos where it's like how to start a podcast. Oh my gosh. It was so confusing to me. They would recommend things and I would try to do them and they were harder than I thought that they would be. And it was so much easier just to have you there to, to say like, tell me exactly what to do. Like literally tell me everything to do. I'm going to write it down and I'm just going to do it. Yeah, and it was so decisive because I I'm really an indecisive type of person, so I could probably go back and forth about like what microphone should I get and what you know platform should I use, mm-hmm. and it just simplified things so much. So to answer your question, what questions do I have? Okay, oh, yeah. I wrote them down because I have endless questions about. It. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so okay, what in your mind makes a really good podcast? What are the things you look? What do you think? What are the things that make a really good podcast
2: for you? What do you think? Hmm. Like you, I listen to a lot of podcasts. YouTube listening to YouTube videos and podcasts are like my TV, basically. Mm. Uh, What makes a good podcast to me is very conversational. Like I need, I need all of the feels. I need to be. I love candid conversation. I love people who aren't afraid. To share what the hell is happening. (laughs) Mm. I don't even know if that makes sense, but I just love the format to be very conversational. Like, for instance, we're having this is a quote unquote interview, but to me, it feels like a conversation. And I think that's very important. So, yeah, conversational is very important to me. What about you? Like, what do you look for as someone who listens a lot?
0: Yeah, I would say conversational is really good. I like that too. It, It feels easy to listen to. I would also say like informative or, or direct in a way. I think that it sounds, that sounds like it contradicts itself, but like. No,
2: I think it you know, doesn't. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. it gets to the point. Like you're, you're asking very specific questions. So it is conversational, but we're also kind of. There's know, a, targeting. there's a
2: flow. There's a point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you're naturally, here's the thing. If you're concerned about that, you shouldn't be because you're naturally conversational. Even the first time we, because we, the first time we actually had a conversation was probably about two years ago, two and a half years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And it was, we, we were, we we're supposed to talk for what, 20 minutes and we ended up being on the phone like an hour and a half. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> So You're naturally that, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't think you're going to have any problem at all coming up with the themes, the questions. You're not going to have any problem at all with that. You're not, I'm telling you, you're natural. Cause I feel like sometimes some people aren't necessarily natural with that. They kind of have to just get comfortable with it. But you, this is you, this is your lane.
0: Yeah, I'm extremely enthusiastic, which I think puts people off sometimes, but may work for podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) How does it put people off? What do you mean? In real life, you mean like in the street? Uh, What do you mean? In the street. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I meet people and they're like, you're so enthusiastic at first. I thought you were going to be too much, but then I just ended up really liking you. (laughs) I've had that said to me.
2: That's okay, though. I don't take that personally. I, I yeah. Don't go down a notch. Don't go down a notch. People love okay. this shit. Don't go down a <laughs> notch. Stay where you are, okay? <laughs> Thank you. I don't think I could if I tried. It's, it's almost a You notch. can't. You can't. <laughs> okay, so what are the biggest podcasting mistakes? So I think one of the mistakes I made was when I first started was over-editing. <laughs> oh, God. Shout out to Daniel, who edits the show now. <laughs> But I used to like obsess over editing. I would listen to an episode like six times and I felt like everything had to sound cohesive and perfect. And I had to take all the ums out, all the uncomfortableness, all the pausing. Just it was a hot ass mess. And I felt like it actually took away from the conversation with me over editing. So shout out to all the people who used to listen to it before I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Like so much love to y'all because I used to obsess over the editing. So I think I did that. Like I would take out things that I probably contribute to the conversation, but I was so obsessed with like the timing. Like I wanted to keep it under a certain number and just yeah, obsessed mm-hmm. over editing. So that's another first mistake. Another one I did was not being consistent. I think that was a huge mistake. Huge, 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 huge. You need to get on a schedule and stick to that schedule no mm. matter what. And the way to do that lately has been for me is just like batching. So for instance, I have four interviews this week. And so that's all my content wow. for February. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. getting it done. So not being consistent was hard for me. Not having, girl, let me tell you, Jen, I don't know if I ever told you this, but tell me why I used to, you know how before we did this, we had a 15 minute talk where we kind of went over the topics. I'll let you know what to expect. And that was everything. And we just got off the phone and went about our business, right? Mm -hmm. Jen, I used to have people come on this show and I have never had a conversation with them at all. And we would just start talking. (laughs) In my early days, girl, shout out. And shout out to those people, too, that trusted me not to make them sound crazy. Okay? Let, let's talk about that. Seriously, it was so bad. And this is just in the 15-minute conversation that I had before I actually do. So, I, you know how I do it. I have the 15-minute conversation on one day and then the interview is on a whole other day. And that 15 minutes is Powerful, you hear me, I like it gives me a chance to build like a rapport with people, find out any questions or concerns they have, go over like flush out the topics it's 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 clutch. It's so important to have that, so that's a mistake I made is not doing that in the beginning. oh, that's a good one. yeah, another mistake is that I didn't even research my guests at all <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will literally just say, "Oh, you cool, I follow you on Instagram, you cool, come on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a mistake. Celebrating my wins. I've had some great wins over the years due to the show and I never would even talk about it. You know, for instance, one win for this year so far, and we're just starting the year is that I was nominated for best vegan podcast by Veg News. Yes. The second year in a row. Right. I'm so thankful for that. But there were other times that, you know, I was in the New York Times. I was. Wow top rate one of the top rated podcasts for apple Podcasts, and i think i just briefly mentioned it like i just like not celebrating the you know oh, which we yeah. consider like big deals just kind of like eh, feeling kind of weird about that so i'm over there i'm, I'm celebrating everything now oh good, okay. good. <laughs> yes not getting help sooner is a big thing when i hired my editor i couldn't even afford to pay him i couldn't even afford to pay him when i hired him but i did it anyway because I really wanted to take the show to the next level. And I was like, I'll figure this out. Like, I have to figure it out. Because, And he is so amazing. Let me tell you, he cold pitched me, right, on a day that I was like second guessing whether or not I should even continue with this podcast, even though I love doing it. It's just, it's a lot of work. Like, you don't think it is, but it really is a lot of work. The whole process of, you know, pitching and interviewing and Getting things together and working with brands and just all of that's a whole process. And so he cold pitched me and he was like, Listen, you know, I'll edit one episode for free. This is what I do. And within like 30 seconds of him sending, I still remember when he sent the audio back to me on Dropbox. I was at the gas station pumping my gas and I'm sitting in the front seat. And I'm listening to like the first 30 seconds. I was like, oh, I don't know how much this man is, but I'm hiring him. <laughs> I <need Yeah>. him. <laughs> So not getting help sooner. I think that that would have, that's like a part of like the consistency as well. Like having somebody like put everything together for me. When he took that off my plate, I just like a sigh of relief. I didn't realize how much editing and doing everything was stressing me out until I wasn't doing it anymore. <laughs> it was wow. one of those Okay, I was already going to make a couple of those mistakes, so I'm really. Which one, Which that one part. in particular? Which one? The 15 minute before one, talking I, to people before. Yeah, it, it, it. I think it just makes the conversation so much, so much more rich, you know. And it's funny because people sometimes they'll send me a DM and they'll ask me about how someone is doing, like they think I really know people, like for real, like their whole lives. And I'm like, I really don't know. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I have a way of like. <laughs> probably making people feel real comfortable. And I love that. And I think that's just natural. That's just something that I naturally have, but I really don't know a lot of the people that come on the show. I just, if I I buy it with you, I buy it with you. You know, that's just how I am. So yeah. (laughs) I think those are really helpful. And you know, the other one that I I really,
0: not over editing is a really great one. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously the one where you outsource completely is great. But I think for me, for starting out or anybody else starting out right now, who is just going to pass the waters?
2: No, I don't don't recommend that when you're starting out to outsource because I think it's important to know how to do all of these steps yourself so that when you do outsource, you'll get the best results from the outsourcing. So by the time Daniel came in to do all my editing for me, I already had a workflow. So it was very easy for me to just transfer it right over to him because I already knew what I wanted and how I wanted things to sound. So I think the important parts is like, figuring out what the format of your show is going to be, with the the type of energy, the type of tone you want for your show, doing all of the, you know, the nitty gritty behind the scenes stuff and figuring out that and then hand it off. I don't recommend doing that in the beginning, though, even though I feel like I guess the mistake for me is I waited too long.
0: Yeah, that's
2: the mistake. It wasn't that I didn't do it at all. It was just it took forever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. And yeah, I really yeah. like that you were like, don't, don't over edit because sometimes, you know, I stumble over my words, like everybody, I suppose, but, and I already thought, should I edit that out? Cause we've already recorded a couple of episodes. And I'm thinking like, how much
2: of this do I need to edit? How polished do I need to sound? So that's actually really helpful. I mean, you can edit out the things that you think are going to make the conversation flow better, but Mm -hmm. don't feel like you can't make any mistakes. Like I'm sure my listeners know that I just be a hot mess. I just say anything. I fumble (laughs) over words all the time. And I used to be very, very uncomfortable, very insecure about all of that. And these days it doesn't really bother me the same way. So when I say over-editing, it's okay to, you know, check out things that don't Contribute to the conversation. Like it's okay to do that. But I used to be obsessive, Jen. Like I would listen to an episode like five or six times before I put it out. It had to oh. sound perfect. And that's why I was drained as hell by the time Daniel came <laughs> around. I was like, please take this thing off of me, please <laughs> take it away.
0: <laughs> yeah, like t- uh, five or six times. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, that sounds like a I'm a nut. It's exhausting. A nut, a nut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you just really care. You really care.
2: You want to put out the best product and the best content. Yeah, but I really think when you do that though, sometimes it actually takes away. It doesn't really mm-hmm. Yeah, because I want people to know that I'm flawed and that, you know, I don't know. Cause I am Yeah, not. <laughs> yeah we're real people. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, what else do you have? I'm sorry. I, I feel like I spent a lot of time on that part. <laughs> oh no, no, no. This is really important. I think that's like the best part. Oh, I was gonna ask one
0: question that's kind of personal to me. I guess I was like thinking, do I change my Instagram name? My Instagram name is my actual name. Yeah, Or change my Instagram name to be the podcast name. Does it suddenly become a podcast account?
2: Maybe you want it, but I think it's more fun the way it is right now. Like I love being able to see the kids and then you are mm-hmm. just like talking and sharing. And I, I've, I thought about this myself. Do I need a page for, for the podcast? But I don't feel like I do. I just want Great. to just be like just a lifestyle brand and just everything who I am is all in one place. And plus I don't want to manage multiple accounts. I can barely manage the one I got, the main one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep it real. So for me, no, I don't think it makes a difference. But I mean, it's up to you how you want to oh, do it. Good. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think
1: so. I,
0: I, I'm not really that dedicated to Instagram. It's Have you like, come up with a name? Yeah, I came up with a name. It's called Becoming a Vegan Family Podcast. Love you it. know, this one was forever, guys. Those of you listening, this took forever. This was the hard, one of the hardest parts was
2: like coming up with a name. Oh, mm. my God. But super- you know what? I love it. Your Your podcast is very... SEO friendly. Yes. Cause I feel like people will be searching for that, that term. So that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that is, I just wanted people to type it in because you know, really this comes down to, I'm doing this because I want people to get the information they're looking for. Yeah. So I feel like in the end, I just want them to be able to find the information. (laughs) So becoming a vegan family, I feel like I would plug that in perhaps into
2: Apple or something. Hell yeah. And Google, because podcasting is very SEO in general. People searching for different things, they'll come up too. So yeah.
0: Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think I have any more podcast questions. Okay. For sure. I mean, I'm sure I will over the next several weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just DM me. I told you, girl. Just yeah, DM me. But yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to listen to your show. I know it's going to be great. So you're going to have all the people on there. You got to have me on there too, because, you know, I got to Yes, run you on are my. coming on. Okay. Cool. Cool. (laughs) So before (laughs) we wrap up though, Jen, I feel like this was a great conversation. I want, I know Anderson wanted to come on for a few seconds to say hi Mm -hmm. and just to talk about what he wants to talk about on the podcast when you guys do your thing. So bring him in when he's ready. Okay. Let me go get him. All right. He's here. Anderson, welcome to the Brown Vegan Podcast. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> hey so tell us what are you planning to talk about when you start your podcast when you guys put your episodes out
1: well veganism obviously and maybe mushrooms because that's what i'm interested in okay but, you but, like foraging? yeah i do oh nice yeah. okay that's dope so what do you like about being a vegan there is something like special about knowing that you're not like hurting the planet and bringing the world like Peace, i guess and also when i thought about veganism really like you can really get anything that you used to enjoy as a non-vegan in vegan form like there's just egg which is an egg replacer there is vegan shrimp vegan ham vegan burgers and then you realize wait this is all the stuff I used to like Mm -hmm. and then you realize oh I can just eat this instead
2: yeah so outside of mushrooms what are some of your
1: other favorite foods I like pasta I like pesto like Mm. my grandma makes really good pesto and she just made it a couple days ago I also really like fruit (laughs) because there's some really good fruits like guava and dragon fruit and stuff like that okay
2: your palette is just fancy and (laughs) i love it (laughs) my sister says it's weird (laughs) okay so yeah thank you for being on our show anderson i look forward to listening to your podcast too Mm -hmm. thank you bye bye okay jen so let us know how we can follow you and all of that good stuff before we wrap up
0: Okay, so the podcast, which should be out by the time you hear this, Woo-hoo. is called Becoming a Vegan Family Podcast. And then my Instagram is my name right now, Jen underscore Douglas Craig. And becomingaveganfamily.com should be the website that we're putting together right now.
2: What? So oh, you were able to buy- you? Wait, 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 wait. You were able to buy that domain? We're working
0: on it right now, Monique. You trying I to cool? buy it or what? Yeah, it was available.
2: What? I know. I really hope it's
0: available by the time <laughs> that
2: okay, I go get it. Look, if it's not available now, go get it now. You got to go spend that $12 and get that domain. <laughs> I can't believe that was open. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was as of the last time I checked, but well, oh, go yeah, get, get it.
0: <laughs> it. Wait, can I make an amendment to this? If it's not then it'll be becomingaveganfamilypodcast.com.
2: Perhaps that will be open. No, see if you can get becoming a because that's even better. The first one's better, so so yeah, I'll try that. to get that. <laughs> but I, what I'll do is I'll put it in the show notes, whatever it is for this episode. And that's another tip too that I think is important. That when you have a podcast, that you have even if you don't plan to blog or anything, just being able to have a, another place to put your episodes along with the show notes, and people can actually listen on your website if they want to. Just having all of that information in one place, I think, is important too. So I'm glad that you guys are already on that.
0: Yeah, me too. And I would have never thought to do that, and unless I'd had that consultation, because it would have never occurred to me to get a website. Yes, yes. Well, it actually yes. looks really good, and was really easy to do. And I'm outsourcing most of my tech to Anderson, so like he is doing it,
2: which is Love great. It yes yes <laughs> so this was such a pleasure Jen as always I'm looking forward to coming on your show and honestly now that you live on this side of the the, the planet this side of the coast <laughs> we really do need to get in contact with each other in person because there's no reason why at this point because I know you were in LA before and that was the yeah. reason but now that you're here we got to figure this out yes so, let's yes. do it I'm thinking of spring though because it's just weather is so unpredictable right now like we're about to have another storm so yeah yes
0: and I feel like
2: we need spring so we can go to like busboys and poets sit outside. I know you love it. I love it. It's a vibe. Yes. Yes. Thank you so, (laughs) so much, Jen. This was a pleasure. I had so much fun with this. I feel like we just was like really chilling. Like I said, conversational is really important to me, but this felt like a whole new level of conversational that I want to start to sprinkle into my other episodes. So thank you for this inspiration.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for all of your inspiration and for helping me become a vegan. Like how, what an amazing gift. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and for this <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also tell a friend, be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown vegan. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll talk
1: to you next week.